Trump acknowledges his defeat and pledges a peaceful transition of power. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris issue divisive statements ripping the police. And Facebook permanently bans Trump while leftists call for more censorship. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Don't let others track what you do. Keep yourself safe at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. And the news week continues to be extraordinarily packed and uh, devastatingly bad. <laughs> Basically, across the board, we'll get to more of that in one second. First, a reminder, did you know that your family can save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? Think about it. What could your family do with an extra $800? You don't have to sacrifice coverage. Pure Talk has the exact same coverage, same bars as one of the big carriers, but they are going to charge you half of what you'd normally be paying, one of those giant carriers. And you don't have to sacrifice customer service either. Their team is based right here in the United States. They're some of the nicest people you will ever talk to. Get unlimited talk, text, two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. If you go over on data usage, they're not going to charge you for it. Right now, you're probably paying for unlimited data. You're not using unlimited data because it is not possible to use unlimited data. Instead, get two gigs of data plus unlimited talk, unlimited text, and if you go over on data usage, you're not going to be charged for it. 20 bucks a month. Grab your mobile phone, dial pound 250, say Ben Shapiro. When you do, you save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250, say my name, Ben Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. You're really spending too much on the telephone bill right now. And again, why not have the same coverage, same bars as one of the big carriers for like half the price and 50% off your first month when you dial pound 250 and say Ben Shapiro gets started with Pure Talk USA right now. Okay, so here is the update on the news. The update on the news. Overnight, a Capitol Police officer died from injuries that were sustained after clashing with the with the mob over at the Capitol building. According to NBC News, a U.S. Capitol Police officer died Thursday after being injured in clashes with pro-Trump rioters in the Capitol the day before. Officer Brian Sicknick was injured while physically engaging with protesters Wednesday, returned to his division, and then he collapsed. He was taken to a hospital. He died about 9.30 p.m. on Thursday. Sicknick joined the Capitol Police in 2008. He's the fifth person to die from Wednesday's violent clash in Washington. Of course, there was a woman who was shot to death by Capitol Police during the middle of the riot. And then there were three other people who died of unspecified medical emergencies over the course of the riot. His death will be investigated by the Metropolitan Police Department in Washington. Sicknick most recently served in the Capitol Police Department's first responder unit, according to a, a statement from the Capitol Police. News of the officer's death comes shortly after Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund resigned amid criticism of the department's response to rioters who broke through the barricades, vandalizing the building and clashing with police. Now, as we now know, we know that Mayor Muriel Bowser was not interested in having a vast police presence. We know that the feds were also concerned about ticking off the protesters or rioters or something, which is absolute insanity. This is a failure at every level. There needs to be a full investigation as to why there were not more officers on the grounds, why the response took hours on end. And all those videos that you've seen of the officers removing barricades in order to let people through, it was not in order to let people through. It was because they were consolidating their lines. This will become relevant a little bit later on in the program when we discuss the pathetic notion that the police treated these rioters with kid gloves because they were white. This has now become the talking point du jour of the Democratic Party, and it's disgusting. We'll get to that in a moment. First, other news. There are a bunch of Trump cabinet officials who have now resigned, Elaine Chao, who is the Secretary of Transportation and wife of Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, temporarily. Uh, she has now resigned her post. Also, Betsy DeVos resigned her post as well. Ms. DeVos said in a letter, there is no mistaking the impact your rhetoric had on the situation, is what she said to President Trump. She said, we should be highlighting and celebrating your administration's many accomplishments on behalf of the American people. Instead, we are left to clean up the mess caused by violent protesters overrunning the U.S. Capitol in an attempt to undermine the people's business. That behavior was unconscionable for our country. There's no mistaking the impact your rhetoric had on the situation. That is the inflection point for me. Naturally, 
the left is not meeting any of these people with open arms. They're not suggesting, and neither are moderates, neither are the media. Nobody is suggesting that the folks who are resigning from the Trump administration over this incident ought to get any credit for doing so. Instead, because they were in the Trump administration in the first place, the idea is that they are very bad. And this lends itself to the second narrative of the day, which is that if you voted for Trump, if you're conservative in any way, if you don't believe any of the woke nonsense pushed by the left, this means that you are part of the problem. You are equivalent to the people who rioted and broke into the Capitol building. Now, let me be clear about something. The vast majority of people who are at the protest are not even equivalent to the rioters who broke into the Capitol building. The vast majority of people who went to that protest believed something that was not true about the voter fraud and voter regularity, voter regularity allegations made by Trump. Many of them believed something that wasn't true about the congressional ability to overturn the election. But they were there because they believed, I think, in certain patriotic fashion that the that the election ought to be upheld in a, in a true and proper way. Now, their definition of true and proper, I don't think was factually based, but those people were not the people who were committing acts of criminality. It was about a couple thousand people probably broke into the Capitol building and to equate even the tens or hundreds of thousands of people who were at that rally with Trump to the people who broke into the Capitol building would be conflating everybody in a way that's not true. So certainly it's even more true that people who were not at the rally, who did not believe what Trump was selling or what Josh Howley was selling, all the people who did not believe that the election was stolen and certainly... All the people who voted for Trump are not to blame for what happened here. Yet that is the narrative that is being drawn by the media. Every good conservative is now being lumped in with the people who decided to violate the heart of the democracy. And by the way, it is more, I'm hearing some rumblings on the right today. Well, you know, they, they just wrecked a building. What's the big deal? I mean, BLM wrecked buildings all throughout the summer. And BLM not only wrecked buildings, they, they put built businesses out of business. I mean, Congress was back in session by the evening. There's truth to that. It also happens to be the fact that this was an insurrection because this was an overt attempt to stop the business of government from going forward. Now, it was not a coup, as some people have been defining it, because the military was not involved. There was no official move to attempt to remove the, the senators. There was no official attempt to actually overturn the election. That actually didn't happen. Okay, But the, the basic notion here that it was not a big deal, that obviously is not true either. So as always, many things can be true at once. But the one thing that is certainly true is that there's about 90% unity in this country. I would assume higher, maybe 95% unity. That breaking into the Capitol building and running roughshod through that building is bad. That that is a problem. As we will see, the left is now refusing to acknowledge that because the left sees a way to make a political gain here. And the way to make a political gain is to take the bad people who broke into the Capitol building and did violence and attacked police officers and lump them in with literally everybody on the right. So those are the two dueling narratives that we are going to get from the left over the coming months, over the coming years. It's going to have significant ramifications for your life. Okay, because what they're going to do is they're going to suggest, one, that every bad thing is part and parcel of the white supremacist nation that is the United States, a point made by both Joe Biden and Kamala Harris yesterday. These were the, the, the captains of unity. They're going to bring the country together, right? Joe Biden keeps saying unity, unity, unity. And then he turns around and he parrots woke bull. Okay, so that's point number one. And then narrative number two is that everybody on the right is guilty for what happened. That if you voted for Trump, you knew this was going to happen. This is part and parcel of you. You wanted this to happen. This is part and parcel of, of what, was, what Trumpism was, right? That, that simply voting against the left, simply voting against Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and AOC and Nohan Omar and all the rest of the crew, that doing that meant that you were okay with what happened at the Capitol building. That is the second narrative. And that, of course, is going to lead to censorship, as we'll get to. Okay, well, the, the big news of the day amid all of this is that um, the White House acknowledged that President Trump had lost the election. Again, the reality is that Trump should have done this months ago. 
Okay, he had every opportunity to explore every legal option. Once the Electoral College voted, we were done. Right? Once the states had certified their votes within the safe harbor provision by law, there was no way to overturn the results of the election. Plus, once again, I know this is unpopular, but it happens to be the truth. The Trump campaign did not provide the necessary evidence to overturn any of the electoral results in any of those states. They just didn't. They had their hearings. They had their court hearings. In many states, they didn't even allege that there was voter fraud. That includes Pennsylvania. Okay. This election was over after the Electoral College voted. Okay, it just as purely technically as possible. After the Electoral College voted, the election was over. Okay, but it is good that the White House has now acknowledged that fact. So yesterday, Kaylee McEnany, the White House press secretary, she got up and she condemned the attack on the Capitol building. I am here to deliver this message on behalf of the entire White House. Let me be clear. The violence we saw yesterday at our nation's capital was appalling, reprehensible, and antithetical to the American way. We condemn it, the president and this administration, in the strongest possible terms. It is unacceptable, and those that broke the law should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Okay, and everybody was asking, okay, so where's Trump in all this? Why doesn't Trump say something? Well, last night, Trump did say something after his Twitter account was reinstated. He, uh, he put out a, a two-minute, 30-second video in which he acknowledged that the election was over and that he had lost and that Joe Biden would be inaugurated on January 20th. He pledged himself to a peaceful transition of power and he ripped into the rioters. Like all Americans, I am outraged by the violence, lawlessness, and mayhem. I immediately deployed the National Guard and federal law enforcement to secure the building and expel the intruders. America is and must always be a nation of law and order. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defiled the seat of American democracy. To those who engaged in the acts of violence and destruction, you do not represent our country. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. Okay, and then President Trump went on to acknowledge that he had, in fact, lost the election and that Joe Biden was going to be inaugurated. Now Congress has certified the results. A new administration will be inaugurated on January 20th. My focus now turns to ensuring a smooth, orderly, and seamless transition of power. This moment calls for healing and reconciliation. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to the response by the left to all of this. So now there's unity, right? Unity should break out. Right? We now have widespread unity across the land. Rioting in the Capitol building is wrong. People should pay legally for breaking into the Capitol building, for threatening duly elected senators, congresspeople, the vice president of the United States, for attacking police officers. One police officer is dead, right? They, 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 there's widespread agreement about all of these things, right? The president has now acknowledged that he lost the election. He has committed himself to a peaceful transfer of power, which again, should have happened weeks ago, but it's good that he's doing it now, obviously. So this should be a time of unity, right? This should be a time when we all come together. Because we all agree there will be a transition of power on January 20th. The election has been legally constituted. Attacking the Capitol building is bad. Right? Like all of these things are perfectly obvious to when I say the vast majority of Americans, I mean nearly all Americans at this point. Right? The country is ready to move forward. So you think the left is going to uh, allow this opportunity to pass un untaken advantage of? I think not. Every crisis is an opportunity when it comes to the left, and that includes the so-called unifying Biden administration. We'll get to that in just one moment because this is really, truly gross stuff. We'll get to that in a moment. First, let's talk about something that's not gross. Let's talk about something wonderful, something happy, something distracting. I'm talking, of course, about waffles. Okay, so 
I love waffles. You love waffles. Who doesn't love waffles? Only bad people don't like waffles. Hey, every Sunday morning, this has become a tradition now in the Shapiro household, we break out our Presto Stuffler stuffed waffle maker. This thing is magical. Okay, so you pour some batter in the bottom of the waffle maker. You put in whatever filling you want. It could be cheese. It could be strawberries, blueberries, candy. And then you pour a little more batter over the top. You flip it over. You let it go for 10 minutes and you are getting delicious restaurant grade stuffed waffles. Better than you'll get it at a restaurant because you can make it yourself. You make it healthy. They even have, you know, recipes out there for no or low carb gluten-free keto batters. Fill, fill the thing with protein and veggies if you want to be healthy about it. Or if you want to be like my family does, then, you know, you do the decadent thing and you put Reese's peanut butter cups in the middle of the stuffler, stuffed waffle maker and you make yourself something absolutely delicious on a Sunday morning. And it's just fantastic. The Presto Stuffler works with most any batter. Instant boxed from scratch, not just waffle mixes, cake, muffin, brownie, cornbread. Presto provides dozens of recipes, ideas for intriguing batters and delicious fillings. It's an amazing, awesome product. Go check it out right this moment. Go to www.stuffler, that's S-T-U-F-F-L-E-R.com, stuffler.com. Click buy now. Add to cart, enter promo code BEN to get 10% off and free shipping. That is stuffler.com, promo code BEN at checkout. Again, that is stuffler.com, promo code BEN at checkout. If you love waffles, you want to think about something happy, make yourself happy today. Go to stuffler.com, promo code BEN to get 10% off and free shipping. Okay, so again, this could have been the moment, right? The moment where we all came together because we're moving on, right? I mean, the, the Trump administration is done in less than two weeks. Right. It's, it's now January 8th. The inauguration is January 20th. We have 12 days until the inauguration. And Trump has now pledged that he is going to hand over power peacefully, which, of course, he should, since every single president in the history of the United States has done so going back to George Washington. Right. And he has acknowledged the results of the election. He has acknowledged that that the Electoral College has voted and done its work. So we're done there and we're done with the rioting because the reality is that Number one, the police are actually going to do their jobs this time. They're going to be provided with the with the sort of numbers they need in order to quash all of this. And there's widespread sentiment on the right that this was deplorable and horrible and bad and gross in every way, that you don't get to break into the Capitol building and threaten Congress people and attack police officers and do all this kind of stuff. Frankly, I think there was an enormous amount of shock on the right that people who even identified as right wing would do this sort of stuff. I mean, you'll remember back a few months ago, the typical thought on the right was that if Biden lost, that there would be riots in the streets, which, by the way, certainly would have happened. But that if Trump lost, there probably would not be any of that. So I think a lot of people on the right were duly shocked to, to see what happened the other day. And I don't think they're wrong to be shocked to see what happened the other day, obviously. Okay, so that means that there is widespread consensus that bad things are bad and that good things are good and that time moves on and that there will be a new president on January 20th, right? This would be the moment when Joe Biden should come out and he should say, we're all in agreement. Let's, this is a dark day for the country. Now we can move forward together because we all agree that people who violate criminal law should go to jail. Instead, instead, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris decided to go precisely the opposite direction. They decided that they were going to rip open wounds for political gain, which is just awful behavior, awful behavior. Okay, it is it is terrible because, again, these people are going to be in charge of the executive branch of the federal government for the next four years. And they are signifying that in a moment when we could all come together at a moment when as they say that, you know, in their belief, the nightmare is over, bright new day dawning and all this stuff, right? This is, this is the, the Biden line. Their claim could have been, okay, well, now we're moving forward in unity, arm in arm. This sort of stuff can happen again. But here's the problem. The left has allowed this sort of stuff to happen for months, just in a different context, right? The left for months catered to Black Lives Matter rioters and to Antifa rioters in Portland. For months, they suggested that federal officers on the ground in Portland we're actually creating the problem, even though the riots preexisted 
the, the federal officers in Portland and then and then continued after the federal officers left. So Joe Biden decided that it was time to actually polarize the country still further because every crisis is an opportunity. So Biden gave a speech yesterday in which he attacked Trump. And he didn't just suggest that what Trump had done over the last couple of months was really bad. Instead, what he suggested is that Trump had launched an assault on our democracy from the very beginning, from the very beginning of his administration, right? So now the implication is that anyone in either election, 2016 or 2020, who supported Trump should have known that this sort of stuff was going to happen, should have known that this was the way that things were going to end. Everyone is guilty. Everyone is guilty. Here's Biden effectually condemning half the country. I wish we could say we couldn't see it coming. But that isn't true. We could see it coming. The past four years, we've had a president who's made his contempt for our democracy, our Constitution, the rule of law, clear in everything he has done. He unleashed an all-out assault on our institutions of our democracy from the outset. And yesterday was but the culmination of that unrelenting attack. Okay, well, I mean, let's be realistic about this as well. There are folks on the left cheering on the 1619 riots, cheering them on, right? Nicole Hannah-Jones said she was proud that these were the 1619 riots. And people were burning down businesses and assaulting people and in some cases, you know, killing people in the case of David Dorn, the ex-police officer in St. Louis. Right? The, the, the attacks on our institutions are not on one side here. And the implication here, of course, that, that Biden is attempting to draw is that if you voted for Trump because you liked his policies or because you didn't like what the left was presenting, then you were complicit in this because you should have known all along that it was going to end with people breaching the Capitol building in an incident that has no historic parallel in the last 50 years. I mean, like, what? Okay, so so the, the only goal there, what's the goal there? What's the goal there? Like, what's he attempting to do? What he's attempting to do, pretty obviously, is polarize the country so that he can suggest that everybody who agrees with him is on the side of the angels and everybody who doesn't disagree with him is on the side of the people who breached the Capitol. That's what he's attempting to do. But he goes even further, Joe Biden. He goes even further because it's, it's important now not to polarize us only along political lines, but along racial lines. So there was this woke bull talking point that was going around yesterday. It was, it was rocketing around cable news. It was rocketing around the internet. Every NBA player was tweeting it out. And this, this nonsense point was the idea that if these had been Black Lives Matter rioters who had tried to break into the Capitol building, there would have been mass carnage and mass death. And that the police officers treated everybody with kid gloves up on Capitol Hill the other day. Now, this is a lie. I mean, it's just an overt lie. It's a lie, number one, because the Capitol Police did not treat people with kid gloves the other day. I mean, according to reporters on the ground, ranging from Tina Wen over at Vanity Fair to Julio Rosas over at Town Hall, from the left to the right, there's widespread acknowledgement that the police were firing tear gas at people. The police were involved in physical altercations with people. The police were drawing their weapons on people. A woman was shot to death in the halls of the Capitol. That is not treating with kid gloves. And all that video of the police removing barricades, they're removing barricades because that is typical security protocol if you don't want the barricades used against you and if you cannot consolidate your lines and you don't have enough officers. People who are suggesting, by the way, why weren't there more arrests made on site? Because there weren't enough police officers in the first place. When you arrest somebody, the police officer has to leave with the person they are arresting. Also, all these people were on tape. Watch, in the coming days, I'm sure there will be dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of people who are arrested for their activities in the Capitol building. I would imagine there will be hundreds of people who are arrested for what they did in the Capitol building. And as for the other side of that coin, that BLM was treated with some sort of market viciousness by the police throughout the country, that's just a lie. It's not true. Washington, D.C. had widespread rioting for days and weeks and widespread people running roughshod through the streets, breaking into stores, stealing things, assaulting people. 
We saw all the videos at the time. You know how many rioters were killed by the police during the Washington, D.C. protests? Zero. There were more people who were killed during the Capitol, uh, during the Capitol storming than, than were killed during the Washington riots. By the way, I don't see anybody painting a street in Washington, D.C., QAnon. I don't see anybody painting a street in Washington, D.C., stop the steal. And yet when Black Lives Matter riots took over Washington, D.C., when they burned a church near the White House, when they did all that stuff, the mayor of D.C., Muriel Bowser, ordered that the words Black Lives Matter be painted in giant yellow letters visible from space on public streets. She ordered that a plaza be renamed Black Lives Matter Plaza. Every corporation in America woke scolded its own employees and told them they needed to post black squares in solidarity with the idea that America is a systemically racist country. Politicians from right to left put out this, th these nonsensical statements about how America was cruel and vicious with regard to black Americans. Meanwhile, police were defunded in cities across the country or told to stand down. Entire city streets in Seattle were turned over to the tender predations of the folks of BLM and Antifa. The city of Los Angeles was shut down for a week. Rodeo Drive was closed at 1 p.m. so that BLM rioters could run roughshod through the city. Melrose Avenue was burned. So you're telling me that the cops were vicious and brutal with BLM rioters and protesters? In what way? In what way? And as for the media... The media treated these people as though they were heroes. Chris Cuomo asked, why should protests be nonviolent? Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, she said, you know, this is, they're, they're supposed to make you uncomfortable. That's the goal here. And the entire culture swung behind BLM. I was there. The, the attempt to gaslight us here by suggesting that everybody was irreproachably tough on, on BLM is such nonsense. It's garbage. There were videos of police officers kneeling with the protesters, kneeling with them. Don't give me that the police officers at the Capitol building, one of whom died, 16 of whom were, were injured, that, that those police officers were being super duper kind to these people because they were white. There were police officers who were kneeling with the people who were calling them systemically racist. There were mayors who were going out into crowds of people who were declaring that they were representatives of an evil system and kowtowing to them. There were, there were white people who were doing acts of, of supplication before black people all over the country. People literally on their knees in a, in a mode of repentance to black people, even though they'd never sinned against a black person. And yet BLM is the victim here? You're, you're somehow you turn this into a racial thing? How? How? And the only answer is, when it comes to the left, there's always just a couple of arguments. And I say that this, this whole situation has resulted in a couple of arguments from the left, right? One is that America is systemically racist and the other is that conservatives should be shut up. Well, dirty secret. Those are always the same two answers for every leftist problem, right? It doesn't matter what the predicate is. The conclusion is always the same. It's not if X, then Y. If any letter, then Y, right? If the sky is blue today, then America is systemically racist and conservatives should be shut up. If you didn't tie your shoes this morning, and America is systemically racist, and you should shut up, right? These are these are the the conclusions of every single argument, every single one. We'll get to Joe Biden doing this. I mean, it's deeply divisive crap. It's deeply divisive. This whole this whole week has been so disappointing and horrifying in every way. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that you need to preserve your family memories. This is something important you can do for your family, right? Every ad is now like a breath of fresh air. I think. Yeah, the fact is that there's something really nice because ads are about nice things you can do for people. Here's a nice thing you can do for somebody. You can make sure that their memories are preserved. So out in your garage, you have film. It's falling apart. 
You got old pictures. They're falling apart. Why not have all that stuff digitized and preserved forever? Start the new year off, right? Give your aging home movies, photos, and film reels and modern updates that they are organized and easy to share with friends and family. Did you know videotape recordings weren't made to stand the test of time? They start diminishing after 10 to 15 years. Also, you don't have VCR anymore. So why do you still have VHS tapes with family movies on them? You're never going to be able to watch them. Legacy Box makes reconnecting with your past as easy as pressing play. With Legacy Box, you can have all that footage organized and preserved quickly and easily. The service is shockingly simple. You can use their kit to safely send the moments you want preserved. Their experienced team will create a digital collection by hand, and then it'll all come back to you, stored on the cloud, thumb driver DVD, along with the original media you sent. With their tracking system, you can follow every step of the process so you always know your original items are secure. Over the past 10 years, Legacy Box has helped more than 1 million families restore and protect irreplaceable moments from the past. In 2020, Legacy Box's services have become so popular, the team created an additional 125 jobs at their preservation studio here in the U.S. Even if you want to do it yourself, it'd cost hundreds of bucks. But when you visit Legacy Box today, you'll get 40% off. You can get started for as little as 39 for as little as 39 bucks. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. Take advantage of this limited time offer. Get 40% off. The exclusive offer is not going to last long. Order their kit now. Send it in whenever you are ready. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. Save 40% while supplies last at LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so here is the, uh, here's the rest of what Joe Biden had to say. So after suggesting that Trump launched an assault on democracy from the very first day that he was in office, which means that all of his voters should have known this was going to happen. They're all guilty along with him of everything that has gone on. This, by the way, is not an uncommon talking point on the left, as we'll see. He also suggested that the Capitol Police are viciously racist. Now, you may have looked at the uh, at the incident at the Capitol and seen a bunch of white people storming the Capitol, one of them getting shot, a bunch of people going to get arrested. And you may have said to yourself, look, it looks like the Capitol Police were overwhelmed. I can't believe they didn't have enough people there. Looks like security protocols need to be overhauled. Or you could be an insane person and suggest this has something to do with systemic American racism. Naturally, Joe Biden is going to do the latter. No one can tell me that if had been a group of Black Lives Matter protesting yesterday, there wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been treated very, very differently than the mob of thugs that stormed the Capitol. We all, we all know that's true. And it is unacceptable, totally unacceptable. No, we don't all know that's true because it's nonsense. It is nonsense. The entire media apparatus, the entire governmental apparatus, cities around the country allowed BLM free reign in their cities. They painted the city streets. They paid homage. They marched with them. Mitt Romney was marching with BLM, for God's sake. Don't give me that BLM, that if BLM had done something like this, well, that would have been, I mean, I can't even imagine if BLM had, they burned cities. Okay, like, what are you talking about? They ran roughshod through Kenosha and the media cheered. The media suggested this was all just an outburst of passion because of systemic American racism. And now you're saying this is somehow about Capitol Police being racist. And then Kamala Harris, another unifying figure, get ready for the unity to break out. By the way, again, these two arguments are are, are sort of the same, right? There is the the, America is systemically racist and you should shut up. All of this is papered over with the talk of unity because I'm not going to unify with either of those propositions. But the idea is that if you don't unify with those propositions, you are the one breaking unity. Because it is perfectly obvious to everyone that this was somehow about race. In no way was this about race. In like, what did they, what? What? Okay, but here is Kamala Harris, another deeply unifying figure, saying exactly the same thing. We witnessed two systems of justice. Oh, F you. When we saw one that let extremists storm the United States Capitol and another that released tear gas on peaceful protesters last summer. 
The American people have expressed brightly outrage. We know this is unacceptable. We know we should be better than this. Okay, so I have a question. I mean, really, I have a serious, a logical question here. So according to Kamala Harris, should the police have used tear gas on the protesters at both? Or should they have used tear gas on the protesters at neither? Serious question. Because they, in reality, they used tear gas on the protesters at both, right? And the rioters at both. Right? In reality, the, the police have been pretty consistent in, in, with regard to their use of force here. And they did use probably more force with regard to the Capitol. A person got shot and is dead. They used more force at the Capitol than they did with regard to BLM protests all around the nation. Where there are pictures of cops literally standing by and just letting people run around burning businesses. Okay, but put that aside, just on a purely logical level, when she says that we have a double system of justice here, where protesters were gassed in front of the White House if they were BLM, but then they were not gassed if they stormed the Capitol, is the idea here that we should have let the people storm the Capitol and we should have let people protest freely with burning churches near the White House? Like, which one is it? Should we have tear gassed both? Because again, there's no logic to this. The entire thing is a divisive emotional appeal designed to suggest that everybody who supports Trump and supported Trump back during the election cycle, no matter what he did over the subsequent two months, and no matter what you said over the subsequent two months, and no matter whether you think that the people who breached the Capitol are idiots and criminals, that no matter what you do, no matter what you said, you were complicit. And not only were you complicit in the violence, you are complicit in racism, right? You are a racist as well, because America is racist as well. It's hor- I mean, this is, it's, it's horrifying stuff, because again, this is a moment where we should all agree on the things I don't know how many times over the past several years I've said this, where there's some an issue that happens. And I'm like, you know what? It seems like we should all be able to agree on this. And then you poll Americans and they do all agree on it. And then our politicians, and I, I think sometimes on both sides of the aisle, but at this point, really on the left with this kind of stuff, then the politicians immediately turn it into something political. Right? When it came to COVID, it was like, why is this political? We're all trying to deal with a global pandemic. And then immediately it turned into America's systemically racist. Like, what the, what the hell? Right? Again, COVID. The two solutions from, from the media and from your Democratic politicians were America is systemically racist and shut up. When it comes to climate change, it's America is systemically racist and shut up. When it comes to tax policy, it's America is systemically racist and shut up. Okay, so in a second, we're going to get to the second message here, which is shut up. Right, we, we've done America is systemically racist. Now we're going to get to shut up in just one moment. First, let us talk about something. Let, let us talk about something new and wonderful. Again, every ad break is going to be a breath of fresh air throughout today's program, and maybe over the coming couple of weeks. Let's talk about how you can get healthy in an awesome, awesome way. Let's talk about staying in shape. Nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals, feeling great about yourself. Echelon. Echelon can make it happen for you. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon will give you a fun, challenging workout from the comfort of your home. The EX7S is Echelon's latest state-of-the-art innovation that takes cycling to the next level, the EX7S Connected Bike. It's built with performance, flexibility, durability in mind. It's a bike for competitors at heart. They have world-class instructors that are going to motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes, always available when you need them. Right now, in many parts of the country, you can't go to the gym. You need an Echelon bike. Echelon is just fantastic. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is actually affordable. You may have looked at some of their competitors, and you're like, whoa, that's a lot of money. Not Echelon. One membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. So we have an Echelon bike. 
It has been shipped to our house. My wife is big into the bike riding. Echelon Fitness is how she gets her exercise done. Go to echelonfit.com slash Ben. That is E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash Ben. It's a great way to get in shape. If you're, if you're somebody who's competitive in the way that I am with regard to sports, the Echelon classes can help you with that. You can burn off your competition and burn off the calories at the same time. Go check them out right now. Echelonfit.com slash Ben. That is E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash Ben. Okay, so the, the second part of the two-step that has been pushed here by the media and has been pushed by politicians is shut up, right? So, so the first part was America systemically racist and, uh, and conservatives are bad. And the conclusion, of course, is, uh, is shut up. The conclusion is shut up. So Trump has been banned from Facebook indefinitely. Not only was Trump banned from Facebook, by the way, so Dan Bongino had his account removed on Facebook temporarily because he posted the video of Trump a couple of days ago during the riot talking about how he wanted people to go home peacefully and then adding in a bunch of stuff about how the election was stolen. So just for reposting a video from the president of the United States, for just reposting it, his account was removed. Facebook has now announced that Trump's account is going to be completely removed from Facebook. Now, look, Facebook is a private company. Facebook can do whatever it wants to do. Does that mean that the spirit of free speech and civic engagement can thrive when you have big tech bros who have decided what is available to you and what is not available to you? And if you think this is going to stop with Trump, you are dead wrong. In a second, I'm going to show you how far this is going to go. Right? The, the, the truth is that Jack Dorsey and, and Zuckerberg, they've had their fingers on the trigger with regard to Trump for a very, very long time. And we all knew that basically the day after the inauguration, both of them were going to attempt to, to ban Trump. Okay, well, they're going to do it a little bit early. According to the Washington Post, Zuckerberg said Thursday, the social media giant is banning Trump indefinitely, marking a dramatic escalation of the conflict between Silicon Valley and the White House after Trump weaponized the web to help stoke a riot at the U.S. Capitol. That's the Washington Post. Zuckerberg wrote, we believe the risks of allowing the president to continue to use our service during this period are simply too great. Therefore, we are extending the block we have placed on his Facebook and Instagram accounts indefinitely and for at least the next two weeks until the peaceful transition of power is complete. Okay, now, you don't have to agree with anything Trump has posted, anything he has posted, in order to recognize this is a, hor- a horrific precedent, a really bad precedent. Imagine, during those BLM riots, if Facebook had decided, you know what, there's a lot of criminality and violence that's going around right now, like a lot of it. In fact, so much so that anybody who even mildly excuses any of the criminality or violence, anybody who tries to justify any of that stuff, even if they say stay peaceful, but they try to justify that violence, or they say the underlying argument is good, we'll just ban them. Because after all, the risk of criminality is higher than the value of the free speech. Right? How, how would that go? You think that'd be good for the country or very, very bad for the country? Shutting down the modes and mechanisms of conversation is a bad idea. If Facebook believes itself to be an open, an open source for communication, opening minds to ideas, it can't put itself in the business of banning ideas or banning figures, even if Facebook doesn't like what they are saying. According to the Washington Post, Facebook's suspension marked the most aggressive penalty any social media company has meted out to Trump over his four-year term, a period in which he has repeatedly peddled falsehoods, attacked critics, and spread divisive rhetoric online. Twitter on Wednesday also suspended Trump for 12 hours. The company's first ever blockade lifted on Thursday morning. By evening, Trump resumed tweeting, sharing a video that acknowledged the new administration soon to be inaugurated. The tech giants took the rare aggressive steps after a violent mob stormed the House and Senate Wednesday, forcing lawmakers into lockdown. Now, the reality is that if Trump had won the election, this wouldn't have happened, right? If Trump had won, they wouldn't be banning his accounts. The reason they're banning his accounts is because they are attempting to, in pretty cynical fashion, stave off legislation from a Democrat-led Senate. Even if the Republicans held the Senate, I think that they probably wouldn't have done this. The reason that they are doing this is because they believe that if they appease the Democrats, 
if they start using their tech platforms in order to shut down alternative points of view, then the Democrats will leave them alone. In other words, if they just become part of the mainstream establishment media apparatus, echoing only the messages of the Democratic Party, then the Democrats will not regulate them. Senator Mark Warner said, well, I'm pleased to see social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube take long belated steps to address the president's sustained misuse of their platforms to sow discord and violence. These isolated actions are both too late and not enough. Disinformation and extremism researchers have for years pointed to broader network-based exploitation of these platforms. There we go. That's where it is. So Mark Warner is saying, basically anybody who has ever in a video said anything good about Trump or even didn't say anything about Trump, but somebody watched their video and then watched a Trump video, we can look at the research. The research, by the way, is nonsense. We can look at the research and we can see that these mainstream commentators, you know, the Jordan Petersons or the Dave Rubens or the Ben Shapiros or the Glenn Becks, that all these people, they're part of the problem. All you're going to have to do is just prevent all those people from speaking freely on social media. It ain't going to stop with Trump. It's going to start with Trump. Right. Jennifer Palmieri, Hillary Clinton's former communications director, tweeted, it has not escaped my attention that the day social media companies decided there actually is more they could do to police Trump's destructive behavior was the same day they learned Democrats would chair all the congressional committees that oversee them. She happens to be correct about this. Now, Facebook and Twitter originally used to make exceptions for public figures with regard to some of their rules, which makes sense because how exactly are we going to know what they said and then hold them accountable? I mean, it's amazing. It truly is amazing that the standards that are now being set up seem to assume there were no repercussions to Trump's behavior over the past four years. He lost the election. That seems like a pretty major repercussion considering that he is the first president to serve only one term since George H.W. Bush and the first president since Jimmy Carter to serve only one term without a major third-party candidate taking 15, 20% of the vote. But this is what the media want. The media are just, this is the beginning, right? This is the beginning. The beginning is they ban Trump and then they ban you. That is the next thing to happen. For example, the Washington Post says, even though Facebook suspended Trump on Thursday, pro-Trump pages and groups with tens of thousands of members, including one called Joe Biden is not my president, which is hidden from public view, quickly mobilized in support. Facebook has cracked down on some of the most pervasive and violent conspiracy theories. The social media company's belated efforts have also had the effect of pushing many of the group's leaders to alternative social platforms like Parler. Joan Donovan, research director at Harvard Kennedy's school's Shorenstein Center on Media, Politics and Public Policy, said, quote, He's part of a much larger system of disinformation. As a result, taking action against Trump is symbolic in some ways, but unless they consistently apply these rules to media manipulators and disinformers, this is going to keep happening. Uh, there we go. So bottom line is ban everyone, ban everyone. So who does the Washington Post quote as a source for this stuff? Media Matters. They quote Media Matters in this article. An activist left-wing group originally set up by Hillary Clinton's team, the Podestas. It, it, it's, so this is the next step, right? You are a racist because of what happened in the Capitol. You are a, a bigot and viciously in favor of violence if you voted for Trump. And now you should be banned. Consequently, we'll explain in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that right now you might be looking at the world and thinking to yourself, well, it seems like things are collapsing. I hope that I am safe and secure in my home as a law abiding American citizen who believes in the constitutional right to keep and bear arms. Well, when the founders wrote the Constitution, the first thing they did was make sacred the right of the individual to share their ideas without limitation. The second thing they did was secure the right of individuals to protect themselves and their lives with force if necessary. Owning a rifle and using it in legal ways is a heavy responsibility. Building a rifle is no different. Bravo Company Manufacturing builds a professional-grade product which is built to combat standards. This is because BCM believes the same level of protection should be provided to every American, regardless if they are a private citizen or a professional. The people at BCM assume that when a rifle leaves their shop, it could be used in a life or death situation by a responsible citizen, law enforcement officer, or a soldier overseas. With that in mind, 
Every component of a BCM rifle is hand-assembled and tested by Americans. The people at BCM feel it is their moral responsibility as Americans to provide tools that will not fail the user when, God forbid, they need to protect themselves. To learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing, head on over to bravocompanymfg.com. You can discover more about their products, special offers, upcoming news. That is bravocompanymfg.com. BCM knows making reliable, life-saving tools. That's only half the story. The company works with leading instructors of marksmanship from top levels of America's special ops forces from Marine Corps Force Reconnaissance to U.S. Army Special Ops Forces, connecting them with other Americans. They will teach you the skills necessary to defend yourself, your family, or others. Go check them out right now and check them out not just at bravocompanymfg.com, but at youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa. Go check them out right now. In just a second, we'll get to Michelle Obama and the continuing call to shut down all free speech on the basis of what happened this week. First, a bit of relief. It's that glorious time of the week when I give a shout out to a Daily Wire member. Today, it is Ryan Duffy, husband, father, carpenter, marine vet on Instagram who understands the secret to working long hours. In this picture, the company, the world's greatest beverage vessel is in a workshop filled with cabinets being sanded before assembly around a fireplace. The caption reads, it's going to be another late night. As a small business owner, I know that these come more often than it seems they should, but it's okay. I am armed with a great cup of hashtag leftist tears in my new Real Daily Wear, Leftist Tears Tumblr, hot or cold, I'm ready to complete my project. Excellent, excellent. Keep up that good work. Thanks for the pick. Thank you for your service. Also, you may have noticed that there is a tsunami of culture that is directed explicitly against you. It's going to get worse, not better, over the coming years. With the Biden-Harris administration, what we are going to see is a tsunami of outrage at anybody who disagrees. And the entertainment industry that feeds and mainlines this crap into the bloodstream of American politics is just going to get worse and worse. It's going to get more and more toxic. That's why we are pushing back against cultural blacklisting. On Friday, January 15th, Daily Wire is releasing its first feature film, Run, Hide, Fight, exclusively to Daily Wire members. Run, Hide, Fight is not particularly political. It is intense. It does have a powerful message. The movie follows a high school besieged by a quartet of school shooters. A young girl, 17-year-old Zoe Hull, uses her wits and survival skills to fight back. Here is a bit of the trailer. In between breath, take the shot. You've done really good out there, kid. Size of that deer, we're gonna be eating venison all summer. Well, the day's work. I think we need to see somebody again. And by we, you mean me? No, I mean us. Hey, that look in your eye. Guys in my unit had that look. You think there's a brochure you can hand me so I can go? Is that Chris Jellick over there? Is he doing something completely weird? Senior prank day. But we'll see all kinds of dumb stuff today. Swim captain, we'll have Thai food delivered to class, and Becky Vaughn will set up her homemade slip and slide. This is high school. Nothing that happens here matters in the real world. Okay, we are in charge now, so please pull out whichever app you use to do live streaming video. Get them up and running and point it at me. Now! Get down on the ground! Any more friends back there? I'm calling 911. Get back to your homeroom and stay put until the... Disturbing news out of Vernon Central High School. Zoe. 
between breath. Take a shot. Go! Is it safe to say that this might be our guardian angel? Do you want more people to die? That's the last thing I want. I'm gonna kill one person in this room every five minutes. You don't show your face. Isn't it ironic that after all your hard work, people aren't gonna remember you? No. They're going to remember me. It's, it's awesome. It's edgy. It is rated R. I'm just telling you right now because we need to compete in this space. We need to provide people alternatives to the leftist crap that they are getting from Amazon or Netflix or anywhere else they get their entertainment. To mark the release, we're going to be doing a live stream premiere the night before Thursday, January 14th, during a special episode of Backstage featuring Jeremy Boring, me, some special guests. Come join us as we put culture back in conservative categories Come join us as we try to infiltrate the culture and fight back. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So as I keep saying, there are a few messages that are coming out here after this this terrible, terrible week. Message number one from Biden-Harris is that if you voted for Trump or if you supported Trump or if you don't back their agenda, then this is because you're in favor of what happened. Number two is that America is systemically racist and its police are systemically racist, which is one hell of a message to put out after a police officer dies defending the Capitol, which is what happened this week. And message number three is that you should all shut the hell up and shut up. And not only that, there should be forcible attempts to shut you up. It's not just that you should be quiet. It's that there should be companies geared toward shutting you up, that all the companies should basically stop doing business with you, that that everybody should stop allowing you a platform. Michelle Obama, queen of light and wonder, She put out a a statement yesterday. Here's what it said. I woke up yesterday elated by the news of Reverend Raphael Warnock's election victory. He'll be Georgia's first black senator. I was heartened by the idea that the senior pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, the home parish of Dr. King, and a spiritual and organizational hub during the civil rights movement would be representing his state in the United States Senate. In just a few hours, my heart had fallen harder and faster than I can remember. Like all of you, I watched as a gang organized violent mad they'd lost an election laid siege to the United States Capitol. The day was a fulfillment of the wishes of an infantile, unpatriotic president who can't handle the truth of his own failures. The wreckage lays at the feet of a party and media apparatus that gleefully cheered him on, knowing full well the possibility of consequences like these. Uh, so here's here's where we go, right? Is that everybody knew, everybody knew, this is going to be the, the revisionist history here, is that everybody knew that the Capitol was going to be stormed, right? Okay, well, if that's the way that we're going to play this game, then everybody knew that a police officer, that six Dallas police officers are going to be shot to death by a BLM activist during Obama's administration. I mean, with rhetoric saying that America was systemically racist and the police were systemically racist. I mean, everybody knew that it was going to come to this. Right? If we're going to play this game, everybody knew there were going to be riots in Ferguson. Everybody knew there were going to be riots in Washington, D.C. Everybody knew that businesses were going to get burned and looted all around the country this summer. Everybody knew all that stuff. Okay, th- that's not how this game gets played. Okay, free speech is free speech. Okay, that y- You don't get to suggest that everybody who speaks freely on a topic of consequence is now responsible for nut jobs doing a nut thing because they believed lies. Okay, but here is Michelle Obama continuing because she has some answers for you. She has some, some suggested ways that we can prevent this in the future. She says, it left me with so many questions, questions about the future, questions about security, extremism, propaganda, and more. But there's one question I can't shake. What if those rioters had looked like the folks who go to Ebenezer Baptist Church every Sunday? What would have been different? And so there's the, uh, the Biden-Harris message that the police are racist. I think we all know the answer. We do, because we watched what happened over the summer. 16 to 25 million Americans protested. And um, 
the police basically laid off of them. This summer's Black Lives, they, they keep saying things like, oh, 14,000 people were arrested over the course of the protests. Oh, you mean the months-long protests slash riots? And there were 500 riots all across the country, statistically speaking. There were 16 to 25 million people who were involved in the protests. Okay. In any case, she says, this summer's Black Lives Matter protests were an overwhelmingly peaceful movement, right? So here's the revisionist history. Our nation's largest demonstrations ever, bringing together people of every race and class, encouraging millions to re-examine their own assumptions and behavior. And yet, in city after city, day after day, we saw peaceful protesters met with brute force. We saw cracked skulls and mass arrests, law enforcement pepper spraying its way through a peaceful demonstration for a presidential photo op. And for those who call others unpatriotic for simply taking a knee in silent protest, for those who wonder why we need to be reminded that black lives matter at all, yesterday made it painfully clear that certain Americans, in fact, are allowed to denigrate the flag and symbols of our nation. They've just got to look the right way. Who's allowed to do that? Those people are going to be arrested. Capitol Police officers shot a woman. She died. Okay, like, who was allowed to do this? Who is saying that this is a great thing? Who? Who? Okay, this is just a made-up bolt. It's a nonsense narrative. It's nonsense. And it's insulting to the intelligence. And it's insulting to the American people. It's insulting, by the way, to suggest that the cops were vicious and brutal with Black Lives Matter protesters all over the country. Again, 16 to 25 million people marched. By the way, I can say both. Can I not? I can say that it is unpatriotic and terrible and un-American, as I have, to storm at the Capitol building, to interrupt the process. I've called it insurrectionary because it is. I can also say that taking a knee, a knee for the American flag to suggest that America stands for systemic barbarity and racism is also not a pro-America sentiment. Can I not? Can I, can I do both? How about that? How about that? But it's, it's one and not the other when it comes to Democrats. What do these folks have to say now, says Michelle Obama? Seeing the gulf between the responses to yesterday's riot and the summer's peaceful protests and the larger movement for racial justice is so painful, it hurts. And I cannot think about moving on or turning the page, uh-huh. Until we reckon with the reality of what we saw yesterday, true progress will be possible only once we acknowledge that this disconnect exists and take steps to repair it. And that means coming to grips with the reality that millions voted for a man so obviously willing to burn our democracy down for his ego. Ah, every single person who voted for Trump is in favor of people storming the Capitol building. That's what Michelle Obama is saying. So we've got both messages now, right? We've got the message that the cops are racist and America is racist. And also that every single person who voted for Trump, every single person who didn't vote for Joe Biden, Every single one of those people is deplorable and awful and evil. I hurt for our country, says Michelle Obama. I wish I had all the solutions. I wish I had the confidence that people who know better will act like it for more than a news cycle or two. All I know is that now is a time for true patriotism. Now is the time for those who voted for this president to see the reality of what they've enabled and publicly and forcefully rebuke him in the actions of that mob. Okay, everybody did. Now is the time for Silicon Valley companies to stop enabling this monstrous behavior and go even further than they already have by permanently banning this man from their platforms and putting in place policies to prevent their technology by, from being used by the nation's leaders to fuel insurrection. Okay, but she doesn't stop there. She says that now is a time for swift and serious consequences for the failure of leadership that led to yesterday's shame. Okay, so she, she then calls for basically everybody to be punished. Right. Everybody needs to be punished. I love this. She says, together, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock will give control of Congress back to the only party that's shown it can put democracy above its own short term political fortunes. She's literally, literally undermining comedy and unity in the republic in order to benefit Democrats short term political fortunes. That's what she is doing here. So we have to hold tight to our values by banning people. That's that sounds good. We'll hold tight to our values by banning people. It's not just Michelle Obama, of course. Uh, Oliver Darcy over at CNN, 
he uh, he put out a, a social he puts out a social media newsletter and, and he had these paragraphs. He says, we regularly discuss what big tech companies have done to poison the public conversation by providing large platforms to bad faith actors who lie, mislead and promote conspiracy theories. What about TV companies that provide platforms to networks like Newsmax, One America News and yes, Fox News. So now Oliver is calling for TV companies to ban the distribution of Fox News on the basis of this. He says, Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Mark Levin, and others are responsible for the lies they peddle to their audiences, but the TV companies that beam them into millions of homes around the country also bear some responsibility, and yet we rarely, if ever, talk about them. It is time TV carriers face questions for lending their platforms to dishonest companies that profit off of disinformation and conspiracy theories. Oh, you mean like dishonest companies like, I don't know, CNN? CNN, which spent years promoting the, uh, the idea that Donald Trump was a Russian plant? Okay, the Washington Post put out an editorial saying much of the same kind of stuff. They say that we now need to stop the spread of misinformation on social media, right? The burden rests with the sites that allowed bad actors to warp the worlds of so many citizens. They must stop the spread of misinformation according to clear rules that stem from clear principles. They must promote accurate information in the manner the evidence tells us is most likely to persuade. Both of these undertakings will likely require some trial and error. So wait a second, it was, it's almost as though the same exact solution that the left has always called for, namely repressive tolerance, shutting down other points of view, is now going to be extended to meet this supposed, uh, this supposed crisis, right? That, that's, that's what's going to happen, right? We're going to shut down free speech. Joy Behar makes it even clearer because, of course, she's basically you take all of the Democratic talking and you boil it down to one bumper sticker, and that's Joy Behar. So here is Joy Behar yesterday on The View saying the media on the right has to be sanctioned. I have always said from the very beginning that the lying is the biggest problem because look at where it has brought these people. And one more thing. How is that going to happen? Because you have somebody like Matt Gates saying that in what it was mm-hmm. Antifa people dressed as protesters. This is never going to get right. settled. They are the biggest liars. They have right. these people I guess have to be taken down. Right. And the media on the right has to be sanctioned. Right? Anybody who prints something that Joy Behar doesn't like has to be sanctioned. And, and unless you think that these are just going, they're going to restrict it to the outliers, to the, to the fringe people. Yeah, sure, sure, sure they are. David Hogg, another bumper sticker leftist. He tweeted out, there should be a public list of companies that hired the Trump enablers after this so we can all boycott them. Yep, that's where this is going. That's where this is going. Cori Bush, the, the congresswoman, the, the BLM congresswoman, she suggested that every single Republican should be removed from office. All the Republicans should just be removed from office. Here she was yesterday on MSNBC. We need to call it what it is. It's white supremacy. It was white privilege. And it was the call of our president. And it was encouraged by our Republican colleagues. And that is why every single one of them, especially because they have been the ones trying to steal this election. That's why we are calling for them to be removed. They should not be seated. Right. All the Republicans, none of the Republicans should be seated. That's the solution. So the solution to an attempted insurrection is to shut down free speech and boot out everyone who disagrees with me in Congress. Sounds perfectly American to me. Sounds great. Sounds great. All righty. So It's been an incredibly, incredibly rough week, like a very, very rough week for the country, a very rough week for conservatives and for people who like basic rights and civility and decency. It's been been a very rough week. Uh, So let's end with a little bit of Bible talk here. So this week's this week, the Jews, right, as I explain every week, the Jews read a portion of the Bible every single week. uh, And uh, the portion of the Bible that they read this week 
is the portion that begins the book of Exodus. In Hebrew, uh, the book of Exodus is known as uh, the book of Shmos or Shmot. Uh, and and the, the book of Exodus begins with the story of Moses. And so I want to focus in for a second on the portion of this week's Parsha about the burning bush. So here's what the Bible has to say about when, when Moses comes essentially face-to-face with God, or at least uh, face-to-bush, <laughs> or face-to-burning bush with, with God. Uh, so here is, uh, here is what the Bible has to say. This is Exodus chapter 3, uh, beginning verse 2. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire out of a bush. He gazed. There was a bush all aflame, but the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I must turn aside to look at this marvelous sight. Why doesn't the bush burn up? When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he answered, here I am. Okay, so to understand what's going on here, you have to understand that the, the basic idea of the burning bush is you have a material thing, right? A thing that is temporary and of this world, and there's a flame that should be consuming it, but the thing is not consumed. This is a signification of the eternal, right? Time moves on, time destroys, but there are certain things that are not destroyed, and that certain thing is, is God, right? And, um, and Moses is answering in the language of supplication, right? He says, hineni, which is the same sort of language that Abraham uses with regard to God when God calls him to, to make a, a sacrifice of his son Isaac. The Bible continues, God said, do not come closer, remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you stand is holy ground. I am, said God, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord continued, I've marked well the plight of my people in Egypt. I've heeded their outcry because of their taskmasters. Yes, I am mindful of their sufferings. I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians. Okay, and, um, and then Moses says to God, when I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And so in the Bible, names have deep meaning. In the Bible, names are supposed to convey something true about the person. That's why in the Bible so often you'll see somebody named and it'll explain the meaning of the name. Like when we pick, we do the same thing with our kids. When we pick a name for our children, we try to encapsulate a meaning for the child that we hope for their life or, or their relationship with God. So the same thing is true in the Bible with regard to name. So there's very there, there are several different names of God that are used in the Bible. And the name that God suggests be used here is actually, this is the only time I'm aware that it's used anywhere in the Bible. The name that God suggests to Moses be used with, with regard to the, the, the Jews in, in Egypt. So Moses says, what should I say your name is? And God says, Eheyeh asher Eheyeh, right? Which, which literally means I will be what I will be. Right? He continued, and you will say to them, Eheyeh shalchani aleichem. Right? Uh, you, you shall, uh, Eheyeh sent me to you. Okay, so that's kind of a weird sentence, right? Because God is saying to Moses his name, right? Eheyeh asher Eheyeh, I am, I will be what I will be. And then when you go down to them, though, I don't want you to say Eheyeh asher Eheyeh. I want you to say Eheyeh, right? Just, just the first one, right? Just I will be. Okay, so the Talmud discusses what the meaning of this is. And the idea is, I will be a savior for you now, and I will be a savior for you in the future, right? Eheyeh, because twice. I will be for you now, asher eheyeh, what I will be for you in the future. And Moses, says the Talmud, says back to God, I'm not sure the people can handle the fact that there's going to be bad news in the future. You're talking about the redemption right now. And then God says back to him, well, then just tell them I will be, meaning that you're about to be redeemed, right? I will be. And then God says further to Moses, you shall speak to them and say, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This shall be my name forever. This is my name from generation to generation. Right, so the answer that God is giving here is that the trials and tribulations, they don't end. Right, right? God will be, the, God is the eternal rock. He doesn't change. He is there for you in times both good and bad. And there is no such thing as the end of history. There is just more history, right? There is just 
the, the continuation of things that happen. There's redemption, there are cycles, things rise, things fall. There will be trials in the future. But anytime there's a dark period, remember that time is moving. Eh, yeah, right? What you need to keep in mind when you're in a dark period is not, eh, yeah, asher, eh, yeah, that God is going to help you now and there are going to be tough times in the future and he's going to help you then too. What you need to remember is that right now, in the darkest periods, God is there for us. God remembers us. God recognizes us. God wants things to be better for us. He wants us to act with dignity. He wants us to act with decency. He wants us to act as though our lives and our decisions matter. And God will be there with us. God will redeem us. And yes, that doesn't mean that there will be any sort of utopia in which all bad things stop. Bad things will continue to happen. And down the road, there'll be more bad things. But just remember that for right now, the same God that brought us, the United States, through the Revolutionary War, that brought us through the Civil War, the same God that helped the United States overcome the tyranny of the Nazis, the same God that helped the United States overcome the hatred in its own heart, the, the evils of segregation and Jim Crow, that same God is going to help us overcome evils that we see in our own hearts, and the divisions of our own country. God is going to help us overcome that now. And what comes later, God will be there for that too. But the important thing is, remember right now, it's not that all hope is lost. It's that maybe we're putting our hope in the wrong place. Okay, we'll be back here a little bit later next week and with an additional hour of the Ben Shapiro Show later today. In the meantime, go check out the Michael Knowles Show that is available right now. You're listening to the Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Rebecca Doyle and Savannah Dominguez. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright 2021. Joe Biden stokes racial tensions, big tech bans President Trump, and another kooky white lady pretends to be Hispanic. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.